Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Now, I understand that it's difficult for some of you to do, but I want you to try to imagine what it's like to go to church for the first time or to go to church for the first time in a very long time. I'm not asking you to imagine doing this if you're five, six, seven years old, or obviously if you're a newborn, but let's suppose that you are 18, 19, 20 years old, or maybe you're 35 years old, or maybe you're 50 years old, and you're going to church for the first time, or you're going to church for the first time in a very long time, which, which could actually be even more difficult. Imagine if your prior experience with church was not good. Now, I did a little poll on Facebook and asked people if they had a bad experience, which had had a bad experience with church before, and 100% of individuals said yes, at some point they had had, I was speaking specifically about a welcoming experience, but they had had a bad experience. Now maybe some of you are fortunate and you fall into the category of the body of Christ always looking like this, like it's supposed to look, this amazing expression of heaven on earth, but I'd like to ask you to raise your hand if you ever have had a bad experience in church before, if you just raise your hand, most of you. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever had a bad experience in this church before, all right? But I am asking, and I'm curious, and the majority of you, your hands did go up. Believe it or not, everyone doesn't like church. I know that's hard for some of you to believe. But not everyone likes church. In fact, a lot of people look at us as oppressive, mean-spirited, backwoods, politically backwards, hypocrites, people that are full of, of hatred. And the comment that I'll hear a lot of times is people will say, well, I can believe in God. And I can practice the ways of Jesus and some of these really important aspects of church without necessarily having to be around people like that. Imagine if you have memories that are negative and it takes everything within you to consider making a return. It might help if you imagine, all right, if you're someone like me, and a bunch of guys ask you to go hunting. And you're kind of like, oh, I really don't know what to do. I don't shoot guns very often. I don't do this. I don't do that. I'm going to feel very, they're going to be much more manly than me. And this is going to be weird. Imagine if you're asked for the first time to go ballroom dancing. Imagine if you're placed into a situation in your life where you're completely out 
of your comfort zone. Now you're starting to get it. Now you're starting to understand. So whenever you ask people to come to church and you think, oh, well, they're just walking into a building where everyone loves them. This is the best place on earth. They're just going to catch this energy as they're driving down the highway. That's not the way that a lot of people feel, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Here's the point. Do you understand the obvious discomfort of trying to do something new or trying to do something that is outside of your comfort zone? This is where a lot of people are whenever they think about the possibility of coming to church. And the worst thing that we could ever do is ignore this or neglect to consider it. So we're in the fourth part of our fall practice on hospitality. Every spring and every fall, as part of our core discipline, spiritual formation or formation to become students of Jesus, we take two practices every year that would fall into the category of spiritual disciplines, and we learn to master how Jesus did it, and how Jesus would do it if he were among us today. So our spring practice, scripture, our fall practice that we'll be finished with next week, hospitality. And what we're going to discuss today is the art of welcome. The art of welcome. The goals for our fall practice are as follows. We've mentioned these every week. The first is this, for you to become hospitable like Jesus, in your individual life. And that's what we focused on for three straight weeks. How is it in your everyday life, among friends, co-workers, mainly the stranger, that's what we talked about, hospitality actually scripturally addressing. How is it that we welcome people? How is it that we love people? How is it that we consider people that are different from us, invite people into our homes for a meal, really love people? How is it that we do that? What we're going to focus on today is our second goal, and that is for our church to practice hospitality toward guests and outsiders. So today, we are, we are focusing on our physical building whenever we are here. And then next week, for our church, another, another macro focus, to be seen as a good neighbor to those around us. So that is how do we practice hospitality outside of our doors. Last night was wonderful. If you missed it, I'm sorry. All of our kids, all of the kids in the neighborhood down the road that we are getting to know, it was just a fantastic, wonderful turnout, great experience. I, I had a wonderful time. I'm just, I'm just so glad that we were able to do that. So maybe more on that next week as we get in, in, into that. So if you want to turn in your Bible, Luke chapter 15. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Let me just go ahead and say that this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. This is one of my favorite parables. It's deeply relatable. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. And this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that if you walked in here today as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian by name, and you're in a place of stagnation, you're in a place of struggle, you're in a place where you don't have it together, you're in a place where you're, you're struggling with depression, maybe that is seasonal depression, there are things going on in your marriage. I hope that the reality of what we're going to talk about today, I hope you put your phone away. 
I hope you stop talking to the people beside you, and I hope you really pay attention to what God wants to do in your heart. You see, this is an issue that I'm running into, and I did not plan on talking about this today, but please just go with me for just a minute. A lot of people believe, some of you believe in a God that works the way that God would work if God were just part of this natural, physical world. You see the way a lot of things work. So if you pray, God wants to take care of me, God wants to be good with me, but the truth is, you don't believe in a God that moves mountains. You don't believe in a God that really transforms people. You believe that your problems are bigger than God. And you're just kind of bringing God along. I'm here to tell you that that is a lie from the pit of hell. And you are living in a deep place of spiritual warfare, if that is your position. And I pray today, before we come back to groups tonight, maybe before we leave this place today, that you straighten that out in your heart today, okay? Put the self-pity, the God can't do it, the this is my cross to bear behind you, and you look at what God can do. We will always stay put if that's the mindset that you have. Faith, faith in action, pistis in Greek, it's movement. Not talking about the goodness of God while you stream on Netflix all day. While you numb everything out, God wants to do a new thing in you today. That's not what I'm preaching about. All right, but we're going to hit on some of that today. This just God has hit me with this the last two days. I was making notes on my phone. So now I could continue that and we could preach this next week. No, we're going to go ahead and go with this. Luke chapter 15, 1 through 7. We're going to hit a little bit of this today. And by the way, I've been in that place that we're talking about. Uh, very often. All right, so this is a wonderful, wonderful parable. Maybe you've not heard it in a long time. Maybe you've never heard it. If you've never heard it, it's just going to change everything. Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. This is the New Revised Standard Version. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with him. This must not be a good person. This is supposed to be a Messiah. He is starting to reveal himself as this religious teacher. This is not a very good person. So he told them this parable. This is what Jesus says. Which one of you? Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost? until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, again, number two, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I want to suggest today with deep conviction that the outsider that we discussed last week is very important to Jesus. And because the outsider or the one that we're talking about is very important to Jesus the one should be very important to us as well. I want to use the parable of the lost sheep to teach us why it's important for believers' church, us 
and those that are part of our family that are not with us today must continue to grow an outsider mentality and depart from anything, anything that resembles an insider focus. So what do we see in Jesus? What is it that we see? What does Jesus have to teach you today? Jesus never allowed protest or complaining to distract from the mission. Jesus was all about people. And as people are following Jesus for healing and for life change and for information about the kingdom of God, there are also groups of religious people, the, Fad, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes that are following Jesus as well, complaining and talking about everything that Jesus is doing wrong. Verses 1 and 2, now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, these religious people, and religious people around us today will do the exact same things. We're grumbling and saying, this fellow, this person welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus was surrounded by constant whispering, constant opinions, constant viewpoints, and constant judgment. But none of this ever distracted him from the mission. He was always focused on people. There are a lot of opinions within the church. There are a lot of people that come to me and other pastors and other church leaders and say, well, I really think we should be doing it this way. Well, I really think that we're, we're missing it here. Well, this is, this is too much this way. This is too much that way. I almost got into something I heard this morning. Thought it was a good idea not to do that. But it's all these different viewpoints on how things could be done. But I can tell you right now, as much as I love people, and as much as I care about everything that you have to say, my focus is on one thing and one thing only. And that is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. And that's it. Even in my family life, sometimes when I'm eating my breakfast, I'm thinking about broken people becoming devoted followers of Jesus. At this stage of my life, through my prayer life, it's stamped on everything that I do. And when I depart from that, I have to pull myself back very carefully. Helping broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. A lot of opinions, a lot of distractions, a lot of things that are going on. Jesus focused on sinners and their need to repent. Everything else was background noise. Everything else was chatter. Everything else was of very little importance. Jesus was focused on one thing, and that was the one. And that was seeing this need for repentance. So the church has to be a place where outsiders feel so welcomed and so loved that we can barely even think about anything else except for, of course, glorifying God. Now, there was a friend of mine that actually, he's still a friend of mine, that led the First Impressions team at our other church that we were at in Kentucky. His name's Jordan Caldwell. And he developed this absolutely genius concept. 
and he called it de-clicking. Because if there's something that churches are really bad for when they meet Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, Saturday nights, uh, Wednesday evenings, however church may meet, one of the worst things that you could possibly see in a church is not the hypocrisy and the judgment and a lot of those things, but whenever you walk in and you see all these little friend groups together talking, not paying a bit of attention to you. I have had that experience, and I've tried to tell you guys, I think I mentioned this last week, I know that I've been pastoring for some time, and I knew that I grew up in church, but there was about a 12-year period when I was outside of church, and I can tell you what this looks like. Whenever you walk in and you see people that are just in their little huddles and in their conversations, and they're talking, and that's the only thing that matters to them, well, I've not seen so-and-so all week, so we need to catch up. I'm not saying that's not important. It is important. So what he developed is this idea when the team gets there and they do their morning prayer uh, before they start serving and first impressions every Sunday, a first impressions team is a team that welcomes people. They're the first impression that people actually have whenever they come into the church. He says, all right, guys, it's time to de-click. And you know what that means? You love your friend. You love your cousin. You love the person that's in your group. But that is conversation for later All eyes are on people that could be coming into this church that have had a horrible experience or have never been in church before. Think about your first time ballroom dancing. Think about the first time you go hunting. Think about the first time you take on an experience you've never done it before. Completely out of your comfort zone. In fact, there are a lot of you in here, you simply won't try new things. You expect people to come to your church you expect people to, to just come in and all of a sudden feel the, the power of the Spirit and everything to be new, but you won't even try new things. So think about the anxiety and the fear that a lot of people feel whenever they really step out and try these new things. So the idea here is to save the chit-chat, the personal conversation, all of the things that I'm going to continue to say are very important for later, and to really focus on those people who look out of place, who look anxious, who are struggling. And we have several new individuals and families in our church right now. And my hope is that whenever you came here for the first time, that one of the reasons that you're still here is because you can say that people at Believer's Church really loved me. They welcomed us. They embraced us. And that's why we want to be where we are. Now, this is my favorite thing that I want to mention today about this. And this is, this is number two. Jesus loved the 99. All right, Jesus cared about the 99. Jesus spent his time in discipling relationships with some of the individuals that, in, that were included in the 99. But his passion was for the one. He left the 99. He saw the 99 in a place where he knew they would be okay for a period of time on their own. He leaves the majority. What happens if he loses the 99? Doesn't seem to be his primary focus. So he leaves the 99 because his passion was for the one. So he told them this parable. Which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? 
When he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. Please hear me when I say this. I love the 99. I love every single person that is in here. And the majority of you that I know on a personal basis, there is now at this stage of our relationship, special things about our relationship. If we talk about sports, if we talk about politics, if we talk about theology, if we talk about family, if we're talking about, of course, Jesus, whatever it means, I love you so much. But something that is never going to change about me is that my passion is for the one. My passion is always going to be for the one. And the reason that my passion is always going to be for the one is because I've been the one. And I'm going to tell you something, and I hope this really sticks. Because there was a time in my life as a 19-year-old pastor, a 19-year-old pastor, that I left God and everything else that had to do with the name, with the title Christianity, behind. I started drinking. I started smoking pot. I started using harder drugs over time. And beyond that, I said horrible, blasphemous, ugly things, horrible things. I thought that people that went to church were the dumbest people that had ever lived. I thought, why do they need that crutch? Why can't they see enough good in themselves? Why can't they, why do they need this emotional experience with something that doesn't even exist? And I talked to a lot of people about this. People knew that this is where I was. Looking back on it now, I felt that I had a lot of good scientific reasons for rejecting God. I thought I had developed a level of intelligence. What is it about young guys smoking pot and thinking they know everything? I'll never, never understand that. You can laugh at that because it is funny. And it's like, the truth is that I was very hurt. And even though a lot of people would have told me Matt, you're being rebellious. I didn't see it that way. I was just trying to discover life. That was my viewpoint. And I'm here to tell you through years of not praying, through a lot of wondering, through a lot of saying horrible things, through bad judgment and bad experience, this is what I mentally see now at this stage. This shepherd pursuing me for 12 straight years. And while I'm using very poor judgment, did you know that one of the first times I'd seen my wife in years, if we just want to get transparent, she came over to visit me and my roommate, one of her friends, and we were packing a bong, getting ready to smoke pot, and she felt so uncomfortable that her and the other girl left. True story, this was years before we would date and get married. Horrible decisions for many years. But what I did not see was the activity of a shepherd. Why do I feel the way that I do? Why am I as passionate as I am? Because I was the one. And when the moment was right, when the moment was right, he reached out and he pulled me back in. I'm sure at that time the 99 are thinking, where in the world did he go? 
He was pursuing me. Now, I know for a fact that some of you are, are sniffling and getting emotional that you have been in a similar experience. And you know what it feels like to say no. And you know what it feels like to reject. And you know what it feels like to walk in darkness. And you know what it feels like to walk in depression. And you know what it feels like to say, God, I would believe if I could. It's just nothing seems to be working out. And to be able to look back in retrospect and see this divine plan that was worked out. This is where my passion is. There have been times when I've been in this church, and I hope it never comes across as rude. Or whenever we're in a, in a neighborhood event, and I hope it never comes across as rude. But I'll, lose, I'll use my buddy Wes Combs, because we talk all the time. But Wes, you're a talker. And he'll come up to me, and he'll start trying to tell me his whole life story in 10 seconds. And he knows me well enough. I, I talk for a second, and I take off. And I take off because right now, Wes is the 99, and when I'm here on, on Sunday mornings before I get up here to preach, I'm looking for the one. I'm looking for the person that comes in this doors, and let me tell you why this is so important. And I know this is not going to make sense to the majority of you that grew up in church, but for some of you, it will. And it's going to make more sense for people who are listening online. I, I don't know if this is true for Believer's Church, but I know at my prior church, there were people who pulled up in their car they said, I'm going to church today. Somebody's invited me, or I'm in a really bad place, and I'm going to church today. And they've had their hands on that steering wheel with the anxiety filling their body and the fear of walking up to that door. Overwhelming. What are people going to say to me? What if no one says anything? So please understand this. If you're on the First Impressions team, Please hear me. You are not a door greeter. If you're inside the church and, and you work for First Impressions and you make little of what you do, you're not just an inside greeter. You are a gospel agent. And you are a person that if you don't understand, I hope you never open a stupid door the same way again. Because there are people that walk into this church that are absolutely terrified. You know why they don't come back sometimes? Nobody talked to me. People ignored me. I'm not saying this with our specific church, with any church. There are people who will go to a church and literally sit in the parking lot. And then they'll turn around and leave. We must develop a passion for the one. We have these things that we call impact cards. Many of you have those. You have them at home. Some of you have lost them. If you've lost them, you can pick up another one. Some of you are not familiar with these because we've talked about these at worship nights and vision nights. But this is what it looks like, and I'm going to try to cover up the names on mine. But an impact list, I want whenever you leave today, if you want to develop a passion for the one, right over there where the offering bucket is, you can grab one of these. I have names on this card. One of these individuals I'm having lunch with today. There are two people that are in this church right now that their son is on this list. And this list is for people who either don't know Jesus or have been away for a long time. And what I'm going to encourage you to do, because I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to start marking names off this list. Because I am praying for these individuals every, every and if you take this and you never filled it out or you've lost it, you do not have a passion for the one. 
So what I'm encouraging you to, to do today for the outsiders, for the individuals that are coming in here, for the people in your life that fall into this category. The greatest form of hospitality you can do is pray for them to come to know Jesus. Because it is going to change everything about the way they live their lives. Last thing that I want to mention is that Jesus likened apathy or indifference to the lost, like not caring, to a dead community. How much do you think about the lost? How much as a church do we pray for the outsider? How much do we pray for individuals that are very, very uncomfortable with church? I don't know if some of you noticed this because last night was a wonderful event for those of you that were there. But we had our crowd kind of over on one side. And I don't know if you noticed this, but there were a lot of parents and a lot of individuals that just weren't real comfortable walking over. That barrier right there, it's a real thing. It exists. You may feel like a nice person, but people are scared to death of you. Just so you know that. So the question is, how do we develop a posture as a church that breaks those barriers and makes this a very real thing? Jesus said, and when he comes home, talking about the one, he calls together friends and neighbors and says to them, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus is identifying a problem with people who need no repentance. But he is also identifying that the lifeblood of the church is found in repentance. So we have a first impressions team at our church that welcomes people. We have a guest services team at our church that, it, that answers questions for new people. But the truth of the matter is that every single person that's in here, if you serve in kids ministry, if you're doing security, if you are on the worship team, Whatever you serve in and whatever area you are, this entire church should be a first impressions team. Did you know that individuals decide, so this is before Tyler ever starts to lead in worship, this is before I ever start to preach, did you know that people decide within the first 10 minutes of going to a church if they're going to return or not? That's why that, that's why that was the first room out there as far as remodeling and work that I wanted to do because I wanted people to come in and feel an environment and an, and, an, and an energy in which people saw intentionality on the walls and knew they were loved by this group of people. This is where our hearts must be. So a couple recommendations that I have that I want to give you guys today. Please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you to consider these two things. And if the Holy Spirit is moving you, I'm asking you to go deeper. The first thing that I want to recommend, guys, is for you to pray for a passion for the one. You need to pray for a passion for the one. When we talked about these impact lists, this impact list right here, all right, what I want to encourage you to do is pick one of these up. I want to make sure that you um, write down five names of people that are struggling right now. They won't go back to church. Church trauma is a very real thing. Being damaged in church, being hurt by church, having issues with church, that's a very real thing. And I am willing to confront that. But I'm also willing to be an agent of change to send it the other direction. 
So I want to ask you guys to make sure you pick up one of these before you leave. We're not going to hand them out so that you can just put it in your Bible and never look at it again, or it ends up in the crack of your card, or I have to pick them up. It's really discouraging when I have to go by and pick them up. If you want one of these, if you want to develop this passion, go get one. How can you call yourself a follower of Jesus? If life changes happen for you, how could you not want that for the whole world? How could you not want that that for that parent? How could you not want that for that child? How could you not want that for that lifelong friend? How could you not care? Pray for a passion for the one. But the second thing I want to encourage you to do this morning is to sign up and serve. In any area of our church, to sign up and serve. Because you can make an impact and a first impression difference in any area of this church that you, you serve in. Whenever you came in today, like I said, below your seat, in front of your seat, somewhere close to you, you'll see a connect card. It looks just like this. The only thing that I'm asking you to do is this. And if you guys will pull up this next slide, these are some of the areas that you could possibly serve in. Worship team, get first impressions, guest services, real kids, ignite student ministry, tech, worship. We well, are not going to enslave you to serve every single week for the next five years of your life. But if you have a desire to serve and you're not serving right now, and maybe you just want to check off on the box you want to serve and have someone reach out to, we, out to you and then we figure out with your spiritual gifting maybe the, where the best place is to place you. Maybe you're in here and you're serving like once a month and you act like it's the biggest burden that's ever been placed on your life. And you need to serve more. So maybe you're in a situation where you say, I have the ability, I have the opportunity to give more. Or maybe you're even in a position where you serve all the time and you want to step back just a little bit so that more people do have the opportunity to serve. This is what it looks like and what it means to show hospitality and to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the church. So all you have to do is write on the connect card an area that you might be interested in serving in. Just check off maybe that you want to serve and let us give you the opportunity, the privilege to do so. I want to briefly return to something that I mentioned um, as we close today. We will identify the life blood of our church through the lost being found. What are we as a church? What is our mission? To help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. We are always going to be a church of strong discipleship, formation, community, servanthood, multiplication. Those are all, that's in our DNA now. But people must first accept Jesus and come into this relationship to begin with. It brings an excitement. It brings an energy. It brings a level of Holy Spirit momentum that nothing else brings when the one is found. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, some of you, you just need to pray for a passion for the one. You need to come down to this altar uh, this morning. I mean, if, if, if that's something that's important to you, 
And if that's something that's been lacking, if it was something that was once important, but it's dead to you now, I don't know what could possibly keep you off of this altar. Because some of you have friends and family members, sons and daughters, parents, co-workers, and if they were to die today, they would spend eternity in hell. Some of you have friends and family members, sons and daughters, co-workers, people in your life that are distant from God. Prayer works and prayer matters. We must pray that this passion begins within us. Father, we come to you today and we thank you so much for the work that you continue to do in our church. And my prayer, God, is that we just continue on this path of developing an outward focus, Father. We love uh, the despicable, Father. We love the ones that uh, society has just thrown out. Father, that we look toward uh, you, Father, and we pray and we're able to start rejoicing because we're seeing people that we care about come to know you. But also, Father, that we have this posture as people enter our church, that we are showing the greatest form of love and, and, and Christ-likeness and grace and hospitality, Father, to any family, to any sinner, to any addict, to any person that is in any level of darkness. May the Holy Spirit move our hearts because until the Holy Spirit moves our hearts, Father, we have nothing but a dead community. We lift you up, God. We pray for a passion for the one. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.